The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. In episode 23, join us in the arena as we talk about setting New Year's resolutions. Hey, listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today, first of all, actually, this is the last episode of our first season of In the Arena. So I want to give like a little like whoop, whoop, whoop. So excited. <laughs> we just realized this before, <laughs> before recording. But we're so happy. Like, I can't even really believe that it's been a year of recording this podcast. It's been incredible. Yeah, it really has. Um, and can't wait for next year. But today, we're going to be talking about the fact that it's the end of the year. And obviously, with the end of the year comes the holidays that lead up to the new year. So we wanted to focus on New Year's resolutions because there's the love and the hate relationship that people have and just really get a sense of like what's going on here, explore why we set them, what keeps us from achieving them, and then how we can actually start to get closer to achieving our goals at any time of the year. And what's really interesting is that Leah and I have very differing opinions on New Year's resolution. I feel very positive and excited about New Year's resolutions. And Leah, not so much. Not so much. Not so much. (laughs) So we realized that with just two people having very differing opinions on New Year's resolutions and setting them during this time of year, we figured other people also probably feel this way. Some people love them. Some people don't love them as much. So. I love them, and I'll share with you, Leah, and with our listeners. Yeah, around tell us why you love why. them. Why? Yeah. You need to, yeah, it's interesting because I've been setting New Year's resolutions for about five years now, where I really set a goal and I stick to it. But I've always had some sort of connection with setting New Year's resolutions. A part of it may be because I'm very goal oriented, and it just gives me an excuse, right? It's like one point during the year that I get to anchor on that allows me to just overtly set this goal. But I also realized just by doing some introspection that I'm a spirited person, right? So on Valentine's Day, I like to wear red into the office. On Earth Day, I wear green. (laughs) On Thanksgiving, I really bump up my gratitude practice. And I I realize that this is important to me because of my spirited connection to something bigger or really being connected to a larger purpose. I love community. I love people gathering around and celebrating something. So for me, New Year's resolutions are just one other thing to add to this list. Yeah. First of all, I didn't even know when Earth Day was specifically (laughs) when Jackie said she wears green. So I have a little bit of a different take, not on holidays in general, but on New Year's itself. My I tend to be a little more nonconformist and I definitely play devil's advocate. And so I when I hear New Year's resolutions, I want to like break out of the box it puts me in. And as I was thinking through this, what I realized is one of my deepest values is freedom. And New Year's resolutions tend to make me feel like I'm not free to be able to set other things throughout the year. And so I don't love them because I feel boxed in. So that's kind of where they rub up against me. I'm all for vision. I'm a huge uh huge fan of visioning and of setting your goals and making taking steps to achieve them. I just don't want to be tied to that one day when everybody else is doing it. I sound like the <laughs> Grinch, but that's just 
what happens for yeah. me. <laughs> it's so interesting just taking that nonconformist view, whereas I'm kind of the opposite, right? I see something that people are doing and that's a collective goal and I and I kind of I, I gravitate towards that, right? Yeah. Like I'm like bring it bring it on a little bit. Like I'm envisioning you were like like you loved like Spirit Week in high school or like Oh <laughs> loved. I mean I went to sleepaway camp for years and when we had color war I was just the person decked out in the hair ties with the matching colors <gasps> and the face paint. I loved it. Took part okay. in all of that. And I'm clearly the opposite. <laughs> so, I think it's wonderful. I really, I love Thanksgiving. I love holidays. I love all of those things. But this is this is one that rubs up against me in a different way. <laughs> one other thing that I will say, and this is coming to me now, is that it also, for me, has something to do with timing and like, because it's the first of a year and you have 12 months, it's very, like, I am a processed person. And so having that, okay, clear mark in the sand that this is the start date and then, you know, quote unquote, the end date, right, is the following year, even though I like to continue my New Year's resolutions, as I hope many people do. For me, that that gives me almost like clarity and focus of like, okay, mark in the sand, I know when to start. And, my, when, it's goal, and yeah. when it's over. Yeah. yeah. Or when you can say, I've achieved this thing. Yes, right? exactly. Not yeah. over, but I've accomplished. Yeah. So so we're going to explore what's going on here because I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've maybe felt fell on one side or the other, or maybe you're just a little more apathetic than we are. We're both pretty intense on both sides. And I'd love to hear from our listeners at some point, you know, if you do fall, people typically will fall on one side or the other, but what's your reasoning around it? Because mm-hmm. I, I do find that it's very individualized. Yeah. Yeah, like my reason for not doing it so different than other people's reasons, exactly. right? One of the reasons that I think a lot of people may or may not do it, and I was looking into some interesting stats around New Year's resolutions, is that most of us don't even follow through on them. And so it's pretty deflating, right? Mm-hmm. So the numbers are can sound pretty bleak. Uh, 40% of Americans actually set a New Year's resolution. Only about 25% of them stay committed after 30 days into the New Year's resolution. So we're talking about by February, most people are pretty much petered out. And then even more bleak is that 8% of people actually accomplish their New Year's resolution by completing it. So yay to you, Jackie, for being in that 8%. And I definitely want to talk about your failures too, Jackie. Oh, believe me, I have them as well. (laughs) But I want to celebrate you. I want you to know that. So what you're hearing here is obviously that it's difficult to set set and keep our New Year's resolutions. So as we were going through this process, we were trying to figure out what goes on here? Like, what is the breaking point? And something we recognize in our own resolutions and even in our conversations about New Year's resolutions in general at the meta level is that a lot of times the reason we don't necessarily keep them is because they're not aligned to our values. So, Jackie, maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, your failure, which is where we realize this, uh, and we can start to unpack that a bit. Yeah, well, one of my goals that I set I can't remember what year it was. It maybe was three or four years ago was around cooking. So I am not a cook. I don't cook. I live alone and my fridge is empty. And pretty much I'm okay with that, right? I eat what I want, where I where I want to. Um, I'm in New York. I have things that are food that's very accessible to me. And I'm very grateful and lucky for that. But I set a goal around cooking. And When I look back, I realize I don't know what value that was connected to because my values are around health and it could have been connected to that, but it wasn't, right? Because I wasn't cook, I didn't set a goal to cook with the purpose of to be more healthy, right? So I wasn't aligning my value to that goal. And so it didn't, it didn't 
last for me. Mm, yeah. I remember when we were talking about this, you were like, I just want to be the kind of person that cooks. Like, that's what was really valuable to you. Right. And like, what does that mean, though? <laughs> right. Like, and I still can't unpack that. Like, what does that yeah. mean to be the kind of person that cooks? And that is a question that I've been thinking about and, you know, we're a few days to the new year and I'm 80 percent confirmed on my New Year's resolution as of today. I'm most likely going to go with it, which is eating vegetarian once a week because Mm. that is very much connected to my health and um, not necessarily around cooking. Right. But still around this this food Mm -hmm. thing. But I still don't know where the cooking comes into my life and where it's important for me. Yeah. And maybe it's not. And like, that's kind of what we realize is it, it might not be. And it might be later because it somehow weaves into a connection with your values. So yeah. like being vegetarian could then mean that you decide you're going to cook one vegetarian meal a month. Exactly. And something that we do know about setting goals and, and habits is that when you change one thing, there's downstream effects. And I'm really curious what will happen if I eat one day a week only vegetarian? What will that mean for me? Will mm. that mean that I'm, I gravitate more towards vegetables the day after? Will that mean that I have more energy and want to be vegetarian the next day? Will that mean that I start cooking? I don't know. And I think that's one of the exciting aspects of setting a goal that is attainable and that is connected to my values. Yeah, yeah. And the values piece, I think, is really important that we dive into a little bit. So, you know, for our listeners, you get a sense of how you can use this in your everyday life. So you may or may not have a set of values that you you know you have. You may have some implicit values that you haven't even realized. Or you may have a, you know, stark set of values that you live by every day. But as we think about setting any goal at any time of year, the important thing here is how is this aligned to my values? And actually asking yourself that question, why am I setting this goal. And one of the tools you can use is asking yourself why five times. And that will get you down to what's really important and even if it's important, right? So I've definitely set goals before. I've been, you know, wanting or thought I wanted to do something and realized that I was just shooting myself. It wasn't actually even about something I really wanted or I just wasn't ready to do it yet. I love when we're on this podcast and then I take something away because in my head I was like, you know what? I haven't journaled why five or more times around this cooking thing. So I'm going to take that away. Let's do it. (laughs) I won't put you on the spot and do it right now. Thank you. No problem. So ask yourself why five times. And then, you know, one of the other things is, or one of the other ways to play with this is what experiences in your life do you feel deeply connected to, right? So like, For me, it may not be a value that I know of right now explicitly, but there just might be a connection I have to something in my life. So, for example, you know, my New Year's resolution could be that I am going to host my first Thanksgiving dinner in my apartment uh, in 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 November, right? And that could be because it's aligned to a really specific connected feeling that I have on Thanksgiving, which is around community. It's around being Mm -hmm. with the people that I love. Mm -hmm. So, this is just a different way to sort of uncover some of the values. Values that you might have. Yeah. And we're talking a lot about values and we mm-hmm. have spoken a lot about values over the course of this year. And I just want to hit home on why these are so important. Values are how we live our life. Mm-hmm. And so when we are moving through life really 
in alignment with our values, we are in alignment with our highest commitment, what we are working towards, what we care about, what fills us up. When we're not in alignment with our values, we're often swayed by the circumstances around us, the Mm -hmm. external circumstances. And so by knowing your values, you're able to stay aligned. And what that does is really allow you to be your best and fullest self. So true. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something else that, you know, I I think came up as we were talking about this, which is around the fact that I don't love New Year's resolutions because of this freedom piece. And what I recognize, too, is that the even the conversation triggered me because I felt like my freedom was threatened. So a third way to think about how to find your values is like what if threatened would be a challenge for you? A hundred percent. Yeah. And like the first thing that comes to mind with that question is. I'm so grateful to have my my physical body intact so mm-hmm. I can exercise, which is aligned to my value of health. And I bring up health a lot as a value because I it's extremely important to me, but I also think it's very relatable. Like I think a lot of people can relate to having the value of health. And it's something that we also often take for granted. But I know that if my physical body was threatened by something, that would be a huge challenge for me because I wouldn't be able to exercise. Mm-hmm. And so like the second you said that, that was what came for me. Yeah. So if you like got injured or something, yeah. you could no longer go to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Or go for a run. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I, I'd say play with this. And I the the thing that I also got pulled back to is really like if any of you have seen the Simon Sinek video around starting with why, this is where your why becomes so important for you. And something we probably can all relate to is the feeling that many times we commit to things with other people and we do it and we follow through on those commitments. And so many other times we don't do the same for ourselves. We are very often the last person that we follow through on a commitment to. And so as you're thinking about whether you're going to set a New Year's resolution or just set a goal at some point in 2020, get deep on your why and that will help you commit to yourself. I love it. Yeah. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Laura Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. I want to share some of the New Year's resolutions that I've made over the past few years because I am proud that I've kept with three of them specifically. And the first one that I I made a few years ago was around cutting out sugar in my coffee. And the way that I did this was I actually, so I used to put two equal or two Splenda or sweet and low if that was all there was in in every cup of coffee that I had. And I probably had two to three cups a day. So my way of 
kind of removing the sugar was to actually replace it with a little bit of a sweeter milk, so a soy milk type based coffee. And that helped me just cut out sugar completely. And what happened was that when there wasn't soy milk available, I would use skim milk. And, you know, the taste was not as great, but I just got used to it. And so now I haven't had sugar in my coffee in at least five years. Mm. And that was a New Year's resolution that I really put into place. And I'm going to share what about these um, and how they stuck to really help our listeners. The two others that I've stuck to was one um, about flossing every day. So I made this a few years ago, and and now I've kept to that over the past few years. And the third is the one that I actually made a year ago, which I spoke about on this podcast, which was lighting the Shabbat candles every Friday night. And I stuck with that every year. There were only four Fridays of this year that I didn't do it, and each one were a reason, and it was a mindful decision to not do it. So that is something I will continue to stick with. So when thinking through how these three really stuck, I found these three things that were really important. The first one was being connected to my values, which is what we spoke about. So that's why I'm starting with that one. I will say that is probably the biggest driver because it really shows that you you want it because you're connected. If you're someone who's living in alignment with your values, then that is something that at the forefront of your New Year's resolution should be there. So I found that all three of these were connected to my values. When it came to the cutting out sugar and the flossing, these are around health. And when it came to the Shabbat candles, these are around family and connection. Because thinking through a desire to light the Shabbat candles with a family that I will have someday, having friends over on Friday evenings to do that with, it's around that sense of community, I'd say. The second piece to thinking through how to get your New Year's goals to sticks is that you have to want to do it, right? This um, can be seen very clearly in my cooking example. I didn't know why I wanted to do it, and I still have to do my own exercise of why, but it wasn't clear to me why I wanted to cook, and so I wasn't able to stick to it. The third one is that it has to be attainable. I think we are very familiar with SMART goals, specific, measurable, actionable. We want our goal and our New Year's resolution to be attainable. When we make something that's so generic, like I want to cook, Right. If I'm not understanding why I want to do it, what value it's connected to and putting in place a certain amount of days per week or meals per week or putting something that I know I could stick to, I'm not going to do it. And so connected to your values, wanting to do it and attainable, I'd say those are the three steps to really get something to stick from what I've seen from my own experience. Yeah, I'm hearing, too, that you do things that are not these huge overhaul things. I think it's very common to take some of the New Year's resolutions and make them into these giant overhauls. I'm going to change my whole life because whatever I've been doing before in the fi- in the last year is something I'm going to totally overhaul because I'll, I want something different to happen in my life, right? So I think one of the things too is just how do you make it small enough mm-hmm. that like it goes back to the value of health, but you're not saying I'm becoming vegan for right. the whole year, exactly. right? You're saying I'm going to be a ve- potentially be a vegetarian for one day out of the week. Right. And for the example of the sugar, I wasn't cutting out everything in my diet. I was cutting out one small thing. And we talked about before the downstream effects of putting something like this into place. You end up seeing 
other things come out of it. It doesn't need to be a goal where you're boiling the ocean, right? You start with a little puddle on the on the side of the street. <laughs> right, right. I like that analogy. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons I haven't stuck to some of my New Year's resolutions when I set them is I've always, you, you know throughout the year what you want to change in your life. Mm-hmm. And then this date comes where you're supposed to go set something completely different and set yourself on a new course. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of build for people to go, oh my God, now I have to either decide either yay or nay I'm in for this change. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be so different and so drastic, right? And right. that's what I think when you make it connected to something that you really care about so, and a value that's important to you, it helps with not making it so drastic, right? right. And and if you follow the desire to do it and, and making something that's attainable, if you really want it, then you can do it, right? We've spoken a lot about habits on this podcast, and there's a wonderful book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I love it on the front cover. It has, in quotes, tiny changes, remarkable results. And it really shows what can be done when you make small tweaks, small changes. And I want to reiterate that New Year's resolution, again, is just one point in time, but doesn't mean that throughout the year we aren't also making small changes, right? Because if you make one small change once a year, it it may or may not, you know, really get you to the transformational state that you want. But if you're doing that throughout the year and just use the New Year's resolution as just one additional piece, Mm -hmm. then you're good, right? But something that James Clear talks about, I mean, he gives a ton of really, really good practices to put into place to to bringing change into your life through acquiring a new habit or getting rid of habits that you've had that are not serving you well. But something that he talks about is attaching your goal or the desire that you want to achieve to something that you already do every day. And I think a great example is with the flossing, right? So my desire was to floss every day. I brush my teeth twice a day, so I should be able to easily floss. So by using this tactic here, what I did do was at the end of every night after I brushed my teeth, I made sure I flossed right after I brushed my teeth. So attaching the new goal that you're setting to something that you're already doing. Right. Yep, because it's already ingrained, right? It's already so it's ingrained. not as hard to add this small thing to that. We sometimes in in mindfulness practice too, we talk about like taking a breath. So we think a lot about breathing, and so it's you know you check your phone, you take a breath. How often do you check your phone a day? You're gonna find out pretty quickly once yeah. you start attaching this to a mindfulness practice. Yeah, or waiting for the subway in New York, or waiting for the elevator. It's things that you're doing every day. What can you build into that moment right there? Yeah, yeah. Which I I think also another way to think about this that I read about in the Washington. Post was this idea of temptation building, right? So we call that first practice that Jackie mentioned piggybacking. Temptation building is about something that you really want attaching or something that you call like your your craving, right? Or something you do that maybe is even a guilty pleasure and attaching that to a goal of something you'd like to do more. So an example that they used is maybe Game of Thrones was your guilty pleasure, but you really want to go to the gym. And so the way you could do this is actually build in the excitement that you're going to watch Game of Thrones only if you go to the gym. So you got to show up, take care of this thing you want, but also get this good thing that you are desiring and craving. I love it. It's like killing two birds with one stone. That's right. You don't (laughs) feel so bad about it. Exactly. (laughs) Another tactic that James talks about in his book is taking very small baby steps. Um, And I think he he refers to this as like the two-minute practice, right? So the example he gives is if someone's goal is to start running, rather than going running every day and just getting out there and just 
you know, running five miles, starting very small for just two minutes. So what can you do in two minutes? You can put on your running shoes, lace them up and go stand outside. Two minutes done, you walk back in. So he says that if you do a two minute practice for a few weeks, let's say, you're actually wiring your brain to get accustomed to the habit of that small practice. So that small practice will eventually lead to added on minutes. And one day you'll say, oh, I actually feel like going for a run. Mm -hmm. He also talks about being 1% better every day, right? So if you add 1% each day, that'll equate to some more minutes, that'll equate to a jog and so forth. Yeah. And one of the things I I just heard him speak about this a few days ago, he mentioned that the big thing behind this baby step is actually like I want to is becoming the person, the kind of person that does this thing. So there's a man he uses as an example who lost 100 pounds. And this man actually was the person who went and put his shoes on and he could only go to the gym for five minutes. So no matter what, he drove to the gym, he got got out of his car, went in and only worked out for five minutes. And the whole idea behind this is he needed to first become the kind of person who goes to the gym, right? And then he could start doing more and more. But if he wasn't the kind of person in his own mind when he rewired himself, then he wouldn't continue the habit. And so that allowed him to actually go into this amazing journey of losing 100 pounds. Mm. I think about for me, the thing that I did was I knew I wanted to start running long distance. And I already have thought of myself as the kind of person who goes to the gym, but I didn't think of myself as the kind of person who ran long distance. So the way that I got myself up to longer distances was I started with just a mile and I would only run a mile and I did that for two weeks. And then I started running one more mile and I literally for the next seven months kept adding two more uh, one more mile every two weeks to my exercise and then all of a sudden I was the kind of person that ran long distance Mm. and now I am totally that kind of person but it took that first step to get there I love it and I'm sitting here smiling bringing this back to myself about am I the kind of person that cooks (laughs) (laughs) right now no and that's okay (laughs) Um, but anyway yes that's a wonderful example and I love how you put that into practice for yourself Yeah. yeah and then the last thing we wanted to talk about too was I'm like I mentioned earlier I'm really big into visioning and I think it has incredible power I forget the exact thing but I'm still going to share it your brain doesn't actually know the difference between reliving a memory or living in a vision of the future so whatever you're telling your brain it's actually taking it as reality which is why you know you can relive a memory and feel some of the sensations of that memory right what maybe it's excitement you remember being at an amazing event or a concert and you're just you start smiling right well it's because you're brain doesn't know what the past, present, or future is. You're telling it. So one of the cool things about visioning, as you can imagine then, is it gives you amazing access to start telling your brain what life you're living, which is why people use affirmations, right? Or they use present affirmations. For example, if I want to make more money, I'm saying I'm grateful for all the money that I'm going to make versus I can't wait to make more money, right? So you're wanting to start telling your brain that what's happening is already in existence today. So one of the cool visioning exercises that I wanted to share that you could use for yourself as you're thinking about any time in 2020 or your New Year's resolution is really thinking to the end of 2020. So instead of thinking about the start and how I'm going to start 2020, you're actually taking yourself to December 31st, 2020. And the first question you can ask yourself is, in 2020, what did I help create, complete, or accomplish? So you've taken yourself through the year, right? And you can even envision yourself going through that year. You can then say, you know, things like, what challenges did I face? What did I learn from the challenges that I faced through 2020? And then what did I say goodbye of? What did I let go of? 
And then what came into my life in 2020 because of the things I said goodbye to? And then how was I being about all of the things I've just shared in order for this to be possible? So, for example... Maybe it's that, you know, I'm inviting in, you know, I I personally really want to write a book. And so one of the things I'm going to have to say goodbye to is writer's block, which is really just feeling shame around writing or being afraid of what writing means. So I'm going to have to say goodbye to that, right? And maybe the way that I'm being is I'm being brave about sitting down at my computer or sitting down at, you know, at my journal. I'm not going to write a book on a journal because that sounds like an awful idea, but sitting down at my computer and writing, right? So that might be the way that I'm being. So play with this in a, I'd say like an open space. I'm a huge journaler, but if you don't have a journal, just pull out your phone and write some notes about it. Yeah. It's such an amazing practice. I did something similar last year, not with such specific questions, but I said at the end of the year, who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And so just an- asking yourself that question, who do I want? want to be allows me to think who I will be in the in that 12 months or at the end of the 12 months who will I be during this time um, but I love these questions because they're specific enough that they're aligned to some of the the goals of the new year's resolution that you want and you get to feel it and you get to embody it yep. it's great yeah so I am personally not going to be setting or sharing any new year's resolutions although I kind of just shared the the book one because I'm not sure exactly to be honest so I'm I'm still working through it but one of the things I will be using is some of the James Clear uh, thoughts around habits and and more so getting Getting a little more meta and thinking, what are the habits I'm, I have today that are serving me and what habits do I have that aren't serving me? And then I'll set a goal after the first. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. I hope you all took away some great techniques that, that you'll be able to play with and thought more about how you're going to tackle 2020 and feel proud of yourself at the end of the year and how you can do all of these things anytime. So again, this is our last episode. We have loved being on this journey with you as usual. We can't wait to see you in 2020 with some really exciting conversations we'll be having with people. And uh, thanks again for just being here with us. Have a great day, everyone. 